So when I started teaching, and it's been over nine years ago, um, I wasn't very good at it, and some might ask if I am still, but <clears throat> that's what my dad was saying with his eyes when I just looked at him. <laughs> but I used, to, I used to prepare like books of notes. And I'd come in here and I'd try to give it all and I couldn't tie any of it together. And Kelly, I'd go home and ask her, how, how, how was it? She'd say, well, you really need to work on finishing your thoughts because I know that you've put a lot of time in this, but no one else knows what you're talking about. <laughs> when you start saying something, finish it. Like, make the point. And so then I did that. And then, then I've been told through the years, gosh, you, gotta, you need to shorten it. You can't talk to people for 50 minutes. And that's pretty much true. So I've worked on that. And then I got it honed down to where I do these outlines. And they weren't books and they weren't notes. But there's a lot of content in there. And so still, the question was, how was it, Kelly? It's good. It was a lot. It was a lot. Okay, so I keep working. Five years, six years, seven years. And, and I still use these outlines and I try to stay on them, but I get off track sometimes. And I always want to do it in 30 minutes, but 30 minutes just doesn't work sometimes. And so there's no real formula. So I've still been seeking the perfect delivery method. And I've showed up of late. I don't exactly know what God's doing but I've showed up of late with no notes, and that's been good. And then I've had some notes, and that kind of was all right. And so this week, I was preparing to write my outline. Does anyone know what mind maps are? Does anyone use mind maps? Okay, so mind maps are these little circle things. You get an idea and you connect it to another circle and you connect it and then everything goes off. So I start writing my notes and I want to give you this crystal clear, succinct message because I want to conclude what we've been talking about and transition from the spirit into the high holidays. So I said, all right, God, I'm ready for my outline because that's what I'm going to go with. And here's what I end up with. These are my notes. Here's my mind map, and the conclusion of the sermon is written on some letter that I got from someone else that just happened to be the piece of paper that was there when I got the thought. So what, guess what? I have no idea what's getting ready to happen. <laughs> oh, and there's the landscape plan for the um, sign out there that, so here we go, you ready? Now, what did, what did that mean? <laughs> Last week we talked and we, we went and we ended up at this kind of uh, nebulous conclusion that the Spirit of God leads us to, to the Torah and that the Torah leads us to love. And so that if we're operating in love, that, you know, there's going to be room for the Spirit because, and we gave all these scriptures and we talked about the new, the new covenant, not the apostolic scriptures. We talked about the new covenant from Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And we talked about Ezekiel prophesying the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but not like that. 
and we did all that, and it leads to love, and love is manifest in two particular ways, loving God and loving each other, and that's our thing at Nachamu Ami, and it's almost cliche now. Like, I was looking for some graphics for something that had love God, love people. You do a Google image search, it's like everywhere. Why? Well, it's a pretty important thing. I mean, Yeshua said those are the two most important things. But to, to, to leave it right there, after we've talked for all these four weeks and eight weeks about the Spirit, I mean, about the Acts, and then ending to the Spirit, and then come up and say, hey, love each other, that'll do it. That doesn't exactly take you somewhere, I don't think. So what I want to do is finish it. And I want to do that because I want to show you what it looks like in application. And there are many definitions of what love looks like. And I think that the, the, I think that the church for thousands of years has demonstrated love in an amazing way. Still does projects and things all over the world that, that, that um, change lives. And the Jewish community does that. And, and we all have our definitions of love. But I want to show you like what we do with love as it relates to moving and moves and flowing in the Spirit. Because here's your purpose. You were created to love. You were created to love. God made the earth. That's one of the celebrations. He made the universe. That's one of the, the, the great things about Rosh Hashanah is that Rosh Hashanah falls and, and coincides with the creation of man. Not of the earth, the world. That had already started in Elul. But Rosh Hashanah celebrates the creation, the birth of the first man. And that's, that's drawn from scriptures and sages and all the, way down the, all the way down the way. Why? Because Rosh Hashanah is about kingship, it's about remembering, it's about creation, it's about all these different things. But God had to create you, he can't just create the world and say, oh, I'm happy with that. Those elephants, they're really going to love me. They're going to worship. Tiger, bow down, bring an offering, tiger. No, he created you because he wanted to interact with you. He wanted you to love him. You were created to love him. And you were created to love each other. How did the created to love him thing go? Well, that bombed right away. Tradition says on the sixth day, the day of creation, Eve ate. So created to love, but instead I'll ignore what you say. Okay, well, we messed that up, but we got another chance. How did the created to love each other thing go? Ask Cain and Abel how that went. The first siblings who you would think would really be able to love it. Well, I have two daughters, teenage daughters. No, they're, they, they don't act like they're created to love, but they are. But they messed that up instantly. So what we're created to do, we don't do very well. Why? 
There's one particular reason. What is the failure? The failure is easy to see. It takes no theological degree. It takes no psychology or psychiatric care. The reason is the love of you. That's what you love most. Eve loved herself more than God. Cain loved himself more than God. And we struggle, my friends, because we love ourselves. That is the basis of the failure when it comes to love. Inside of all of us, there is a war raging right now. People who say, oh, and I, I know I say this too much, but people say, well, the, Satan, the Satan has really got me, man. I mean, everywhere I turn, he's, he's tempting me. And, and I was walking through the grocery store and I saw a demon up on top of the frosted flakes. And gosh, you know, I, there's a spiritual warfare all around me. That's true. But people who give Satan too much credit... Satan is a pawn of God. They are not butting heads and Satan wins one and God wins one and oh, Satan's up two to one. It's the bottom of the fourth. God's going to show up. No, he's not. Satan never touches the ball. But there is a war raging inside of you. And it is between the inclinations that you were created with the inclination to good and the inclination to evil. And you have them. Evil, that's kind of a, may or may not be a good word. The animal instinct, how's that? The animal instinct, which you need to have. You need to have that to pursue food and to pursue procreation and all the things that keep the world running. But those urges are battling inside of you against that which is pure and good and breathed into you from God. We are created to love one another, but we must master the urges. We must master the inclinations, and that's part of Torah's purpose. But that's a major part of the Spirit's purpose if we listen We are good and we can love each other and we can love God or we are bad and we can love ourselves to the exclusion of the others. But it's what we choose to put in. And Yeshua in chapter 11 of Luke, he says this, the impure spirit, after it goes out from the person, wanders through dry places, seeking a place to rest, but it does not find one. This is the impure spirit that was in someone. Remember when I told you the spirits mentioned 570 times in the Bible? I want to know which one you're talking about because I don't want that one. The impure spirit, after it goes out from the person, wanders through dry places, seeking a place to rest, but it does not find one. Then it says... Let me return to my home from where I left. And when it comes in, it will find swept and decorated. And after it goes, it takes with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they come and live there. And the end of that man is worse than the beginning. 
Do you know what's significant about that? Empty space. We are in charge of what goes in, and we are in charge of what goes out. And it's quite simple. I want to take you back to last Saturday night. And man, I wish you all could have been there because it was very good. Was it good, Mandy? Did you enjoy being there? That was at the 567. I've already mentioned it today, but it was the Center for Renewal. And we had this idea of clay and there was a potter there. And this guy took this massive thing of clay. And clearly you can see the connection here. That we are clay in the hands of the potter. And he crafts us. And he uses us, not in that way, in a good way. He creates us to love. And he creates within us an empty space. We have room for things inside of us. And this potter created this awesome vase thing. And he was obviously a believer. And he's talking and he's creating, talking about the lump of clay and he's molding it and the wheel is turning. And he creates this beautiful vase and, and he etches all this, these patterns into it. And it's always awesome to watch an artist work. But this guy was anointed and he creates this beautiful vase and he says to somebody, I need that little wire tool. And he had been using tools all to, to, to put patterns in it and do all this stuff. And he said, I need this little wire tool. And so the wheel is spinning and the thing has beautifully come together. It looks like an urn. And, it's, and, and somebody hands him the tool and he's talking. And he takes the tool to do something and he just slices right down the middle of it with this fine little wire. And the whole thing collapses on the wheel. Has anyone ever felt that way? You had it going on. And it all fell apart. And sometimes God allows that to happen. This potter took the tool and did that. But he can take it, and he did and he took what had fallen apart and what he destroyed and he recrafted it into an even more beautiful vase. And at the end of it, he said, now I want you to take this mold of clay and we're going to make a pinch pot. You know what a pinch pot is? It's this. This is my pinch pot. It was a little ball of clay and I stuck my fingers in it and I just started working it and pinching around the sides. The clay was a full ball. There was no space. There was nothing for the clay to do. I could use it to, as a paperweight. It could take up dead weight. But I, as the potter of my clay, created within it a space. And what is going to happen with this space and I meant to put them in there now, but I don't have them, is on Tashlich at Rosh Hashanah after the morning service when we go by the body of water. Do you know what will be contained in my pinch pot? My breadcrumbs. My breadcrumbs. 
the things that I have accumulated over this year that have taken the space that God put in me to love and have been consumed with my bread, literally maybe my bread, my pursuit of money, my pursuit of possessions, my pursuit of I don't know what all, I'm going to put a lot of bread in this thing. God made us this way, to contain the good, to love him and to love one another. And over the year, we fill it up with breadcrumbs. The Spirit of God and the high holidays are about emptiness. Not that unhealthy spirit. Not that evil spirit. When we come into the high holidays and we take our breadcrumbs out and we leave there with this empty pot and it's not very pretty especially compared to the master potter's vase. It's not very pretty, but it's me right now or right then. And I have an empty space. And Yeshua said it. You better find something to put in it. Because if you leave it empty, the wrong things are going to find space there. But I have Yeshua. I mean, that's the whole thing. I don't even understand this high holiday thing. I already have Yeshua. I don't, there's no demon possessed. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that you're a human being. And last year has not been a perfect year. And we're talking about moving in the spirit and we're talking about love and we're talking about space. And so by illustration of my pinch pot, This is what I want us to be. This is what you have to be. You have to make room for the Spirit to move within you. Now, I have a friend at the gym. I like like the gym because I get a lot of opportunity to talk to people. It's interesting, like, I... God brings all these different people up to me. And the strangest, I just, I want to share this story real quick because this is just so hilarious. One time many years ago, I was driving down the road. It wasn't that many years ago. I was driving down the road and someone was tailgating me. And I slammed on my brakes because I was really mad that they were tailgating me. And then this person came up beside me. I've shared this story before. My kids were in the car. Kelly was in the passenger seat. This person pulled up next to me at a stoplight, and we, I was yelling, and his window was down, and he was yelling, and our whole families were in the car. And like, we were about to get out of the car and beat the crap out of each other. (laughs) Or rephrase. I was about to beat the crap out of this guy. <laughs> but it was scary. Like it was, it was embarrassing, scary road rage. Gir- my girls were in the back crying. Kelly's like, Damien, 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 Damien. And he's yelling 
And I was mortified before my family, especially before God. I was at least a worship leader, if not a rabbi. I don't know what I was because I can't remember when it was. But do you know what happened? I had to drop Taylor off at school or Annabelle the next day. And I was walking to my car after dropping them off. And in the parking lot and walking toward me is the guy from the night before. If I could tell you how bad I beat the... No. (laughs) And our eyes met, not in a romantic way, in a, a, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening kind of way. And I went up to him and I said, I think we almost had a problem last night. He goes, yeah, we did. And we worked it out. We worked it out in the strangest of, like, how could that even be that I see this guy and his kids go to my kid's school, even more embarrassing? And we talked, and we actually shook hands and walked away. And then I would see that guy periodically around town, and he'd come up and shake my hand, and like, we became friends. Not, we didn't go out, but when we see each other. So I'm at the gym the other day, and there he is. And I said, hey, man. He goes, hey, how are you? Comes up, gives me a hug. I give him the old pat on the back man thing. I said, I thought you moved. He said, well, she did. I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. He goes, yeah, eight months. Eight months. She left. 20 years, and he goes into his whole story about everything that happened in his life with his divorce and his wife leaving him and how heartbroken. And, you know, I'm I'm 41 years old. I don't have, I don't want to be here. And I'm just listening, and I'm thinking the whole time back to the road, Northside Avenue, where we almost killed each other. And I'm thinking, God, this is strange. And he just basically broke down. Like he didn't, he didn't cry, but he was just devastated in front of me. And I said, man, I'm a, I'm a rabbi. I mean, I know. I, I see people. I know how bad this hurts. And he said, it's a death. I said, yeah, I know. All the while, he's cussing her out and doing all these other kinds of things. Like, it doesn't matter at the gym. Hey, I'm a rabbi. Good, man. Like, n- there's no filter, but hey, if you can't handle it, sign up for another job. But I thought to myself, gosh, this is so crazy how God works and puts us in places and takes this broken thing and recreates it and he told me hey man it is what it is and I said you know what I used to say that and I hear people say that all the time but I was in St. John one time on my last day out and I've told you guys this a hundred times and over the toilet in the men's bathroom it is what it is but it will be what you make it and I told him that 
And our meeting on Northside Drive was for me to have that meeting with him at Kinetics. At least seven years later. I don't even know how long. But God recreates us. He takes ugly things and he empties them out and he recreates us and he makes space for us to impact the world. And you know what fills that space when we're really seeking him? The Spirit of God fills that space. Not unclean spirits, not seven more, not any of that. The Spirit of God comes and dwells in us in a mighty way and that's how the Spirit of God moves. And so I was meeting, talking to my other friend at the gym and he is, uh, we're, we're trying to get together to do this, to do some podcast that he wants me to do to talk about Messianic Judaism. And we're talking and he wants to hear some messages and he tells me, hey, I'm going to church tonight. I said, you go to church? He said, yeah, I'm a worship leader. Where? Stone Edge. Oh, assembly, you're an Assemblies of God guy, huh? And he said, yeah. My dad's an Assemblies of God pastor. I grew up. I didn't, know, I didn't know his story. We just have a good connection. And I said, oh, well, you might not want to listen to the last few messages I've been giving. Uh, and he said, man, I've been around so much charismania, and I, I've seen stuff, and, and you know, I, I understand it, but, but there, there's parts of it that are real. I said, I totally believe that. And he said, did I ever tell you about my dad? I said, no, you didn't. He said, my dad got bit by a tick. His name's, my friend's name is Matt. My, my dad got bit by a tick. Of all things, a tick. It was like the wire in the pot. A tick. And he said, and he got something, some medical term that had 15 syllables that I can't repeat. And he went into a coma. And he was in the ICU and my, the doctor said, this kind of... He said, you're... He said, your, your dad's going to die. So you need to just, you need to get ready. You need to make the arrangements for that. And Matt said, I had grown up in church. I had seen my dad. He said, my dad is a genuine man. He's an honest man. When I saw my dad operate in the gifts of the Spirit, I knew it was real. I knew what it meant. I knew it was real. He said, but that doctor told me that. And I said, you know what? And he said, I went to the church and I locked myself in the church for three days. And I fasted. I did not eat for three days. When I slept, it was for moments. Because every moment that I could be awake and fasting for my dad, I was offering prayers before the throne of grace. And a guy came to our church that night and he, he asked, and it was my dad's church, and he asked, how's your dad? And I he's not good. And he said, go and anoint him with oil and pray over him. And Matt said, I went to see my dad and I sat next to him at the end of these three days and I took this oil and I, I said, 
because this is what love looks like. That's what I'm saying. But Matt said, I put that oil in my hands and I said, Dad, for all the thousands of people around the world and me who are praying for you, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said it was like the electric shock paddles. He went, and he was in a coma. And he, when he went into this coma, he couldn't remember his son's name or his wife or anything about how he got there. And he said, I put my hand on him after saying that. And the breath just came and he woke up and he said, Matt, where are, where, where, where are we? And he said, and I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that day that God was real. That the Spirit of God moved in the room. And I believe in healing. And it changed my life. I was going to go be a business major. And instead, I went to a Lee University for something that Louis Giglio was talking at, and it changed my life. And I went and I got a Bible degree. But I was thinking about Matt as it relates to this pinch pot and to the high holidays. And Matt demonstrated the emptying out that comes when we make room to love one another unselfishly. He gave everything of himself for three days and said, God, take it all. Empty me out, but fill me back up with power that I can go and demonstrate love and, and, and healing for my dad. And he did. And Matt said, I've seen all kinds of crazy crap since then, but nothing can change what I experienced. And so when I tell you four weeks ago that we need the Spirit of God, I want to see that happen. I want to walk in that. I want to have, even if it's one experience like that, one. But until we make room, we're not going to walk in it. And what does this have to do with the high holidays? It's obvious. We are going to empty ourselves out. Our breadcrumbs and every other thing that we bring in here. We are going to empty out. And we as a family who love God and love each other are going to make room for the Spirit of God to come and dwell within us in mighty, new, powerful, life-changing, profound, world-affecting ways. So when somebody tells me, I 
have Jesus. I don't need this. I don't need the high holidays. Why do you do that stuff? I just told you, brother. We need this. And when we give it everything we have, we can depart from the next 10 days empowered and changed and filled up. I pray that you'll join me in that journey. I'll do my best to lead you along the way, but ultimately, it's between you and him. Amen. Shabbat shalom.